All right, so every week I've been asking, we kind of start off this, the same first two questions. Why do we read the Bible? Can y'all answer these? There's two reasons why we read the Bible. What do y'all got? There's two, very, not bad. Boom, number one. Anyone remember the second one? First one's, what does it say about God? What's the second one? There you go. The two things we look at every time we read the Bible, what does this say about God? And there will be a test in the end of the week. It'll come up for 30% of your grade. Yeah, 30%. The first one is every time you read text, what does it say about God? A second time, every time you read a text, what does it say about man and how he related to God and how he related to others? So when we're studying the Bible, we see two things. And I think I'm going to mention this for like the next month so everyone just like remembers, remembers it, like everything. What does it say about God? What does it say about man and others? Cool? Sarah, you get extra points. You didn't know any Jesse McCartney songs, but you get extra points. <laughs> okay, so uh, last week was kind of heavy, yeah? Last week was a little heavy. I remember we talked about Abraham. We talked about Isaac. We talked about what God asked of Abraham. It was a very heavy Sunday. Uh, so life groups got a little heavy. This week, we're not going to be very heavy. Uh, this one's a little bit more simple, a little bit more practical. Uh, we're going to take a look at, um, it's in the life of Abraham, uh, a prayer that his, one of his servants prayed. And we're going to look at just the blueprint of how he prayed and what we can do uh, to model that type of prayer and what we can learn from that prayer. Um, but when I think about prayers, I'll, I think about like tests. You guys, how many of y'all like pray before you take a test? Yeah? How many of y'all like say these real honest prayers to God like, Lord, we both know I didn't study for this. <laughs> but I know in your sovereign wisdom, you can help me here. Oh, Father, it's only a multiple choice. The answer is right in front of me. God, um, I'm just going to hover my pen until you highlight A, B, C, or D. I'm going to fill that scantron out. I think together, Lord, we can pass this test. Come on, how many of y'all prayed those prayers before? I've prayed that prayer 100% like God. He told me this one time. I said, uh, Lord, we both know I didn't study. I'm going to ask for a miracle. He said, you should study. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, that's what I think about when I think about prayers and tests. I always ask you guys how your tests are doing, and I was like, yeah, because that's a real thing. Um, so we're in uh, Genesis 24. Genesis 24. Uh, we've been studying the life of Abraham. And um, two weeks ago, we talked about how God made a covenant uh, with Abraham. He made a covenant of how he would um, bless his family, how he would make his descendants as many as the grains of the, of the sand, as the stars in the heavens, how he would bless them, and how he would be their God. And the Lord just asked him to obey him and to follow him to a promised land. Um, and we see that Abraham obeyed, and it took like 25 years, and his wife, Sarah, has a son. Well done, everybody. Uh, all right, and that son's name was Isaac, all right? Then last week, we talked about how God asked um, Abraham um, to offer Isaac on a burnt offering. Um, if you're interested in that one, go back and check out the podcast. Um, and then, but we see that that the whole purpose of that was to test Abraham's faith to see if he 
put God above everything else in his life and if he was willing to obey God. And so the story of Abraham uh, is, man, it's all throughout the book of Genesis. And I would say, like, as we've been reading this past few weeks, it's kind of, like, sparked an interest in you. Like, man, pick up your Bible, grab a cup of coffee, go to Java, and read the story of Abraham. Um, I think it would be really cool. I think you'll see a couple things. I think you'll be surprised at how unholy Abraham was. We always think the, uh, the fathers of our faith were just these awesome dudes who just walked with God. But they were actually regular Joes who made catastrophic mistakes and had like incredible faith moments as well. Like they somehow accompanied both, uh, which I feel like is kind of like us. Um, so if we're, if we're looking at the rest of the story, I just want to pick up where we're at. Okay, so Isaac's born, Isaac's growing up, Isaac gets to a certain age, Abraham being the good matchmaking father that he is, decides that Isaac needs a wife. Okay, and so he, he essentially decides, okay, Isaac needs to get married, but I can't have him marrying one of these, one of the women around in this area. If y'all, if y'all remember, God asked Abraham to leave his people and go to the land that he would show them, the promised land, right? And that land is the land of Canaan. So there was Canaanite women around him, and God was saying, like, I want to bless your people. And so in order for God to bless us, a distinct people group at that time, he was, Isaac needed to marry someone from the, his old people group. Does that make sense? It's kind of strange because we don't like work like that and your dad doesn't like go find you someone nowadays. Well, some of y'all may, I might work like that. I hope not. <laughs> but, uh, and so he asked his servant, he says, uh, the servant, and we're going to read a, a lot about this servant. This servant is never given a name. Um, I wish he was like Tony or Michael, but there is no name uh, for the servant. And so Abraham's servant. Um, Abraham's servant is asked by Abraham to, hey, go back to the land where my people are and find him a wife. Uh, I need him to be married to someone of my people. God has blessed us so much. Uh, we're already right here. We can't go backwards. And he felt like if he married someone that was not of his people, he was, he was going backwards in God's promise. Does that make sense? Okay. So this charge is tasked to Abraham's servants, and uh, he makes him essentially like take an oath. And he says, okay, I will, I will do this. Um, but it, the servant kind of has a little bit of doubt. And I want to start off with how Abraham addresses his servant's doubt. So go to Genesis 24, verse 7. All right, you guys are already there. I'm the one not there. All right. So this is kind of like how his um, the servant kind of says to Abraham, like, you know, what if I can't find a girl? What if, you know, what if this isn't going to work? Like, I don't really know if this is going to work. Like, you're asking me to go off to this ran, to this place that we haven't been in a long time, and you're asking us to just find the right woman and bring her back. Sounds pretty impossible, right? And so here's how Abraham. Uh, addresses him. Um, In verse 7, it says, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. I mean, it's, it's very much like Abraham. Like, do you guys see the trust in God's provision there? He's like, this is going to happen. Look, it's, I know, it might seem a little crazy to you, but trust me, I have 100% 100% confidence is going to happen. Furthermore, he's remembering 
who God is. All right, this is the same God that I have a history with. This is the same God that's always fulfilled his promises to me. Um, just like he said he would. He said he would fulfill a promise. God fulfilled a promise. And so I know if God's going to keep fulfilling these promises, that he is going to bring a wife for Isaac. And furthermore, he says that God will send his angel before them and take care of this little minor detail in Abraham's book. Little minor detail. I love that. And uh, he just fully believed. So let's go ahead and jump down um, to verse 10. The servant kind of says, okay, I will... uh, I'll go do this. I will, I will make an oath to you that I will go do this. Um, and you might say, like, why isn't Abraham doing it? Uh, Abraham's very advanced in years. That's what the Bible says. I, I love the way they put that. Um, he, I don't think he can do it anymore. It's just not happening. And so in verse 10, this is the beginning of the journey. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of a water at the time of the evening, the time when women go out to draw water. Okay, so these are like kind of the action steps of how this servant's taking action, right? I told you this is kind of like a simple, calm story, but there's just a very profound way that he prays here in a second when we take a look at. But he's setting the stage, right? So he's got to go find Isaac a wife. So he's thinking, I should probably go where all the ladies are. And so in that time, that was the well in the evening. Okay, so he's going out to the well. He's like, I'm going to set up shop. I'm going to figure out which one. And hopefully the Lord just shows her to me. He's, he, he's brought 10 camels. He's brought gifts. Like he's ready to get this thing on the roll. And uh, he's just waiting for the ladies to come out. So let's see how the story plays out. Uh, verse 12. So he's waiting there, and it says that he prays. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young women to whom I shall say, please let, your, let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Okay, so this is the prayer that he prays. Very simple prayer. He's saying, all right, God, I've been given a task. Um, God, I know you've been faithful to my master. Will you please help me with this task? And can you do it this way? Right? Very simple prayer. If you were, if you were to like, go home, if you were to think about your own prayer life, you probably have prayed a very similar prayer before. God, there's this task. Um, I know you've been faithful to me before. Please help it in this direct way. This is a prayer we're all familiar with. This is very casual. Um, But I want to look at the different things he says in this prayer and kind of break it down. Um, The first thing he says is, God, my master, please grant me success today. Um, So the first thing that we see in this prayer is that he is acknowledging that if, if he is going to be successful in his mission, it is going to be from the Lord. Uh, that is incredibly useful. Um, and I think it's very interesting to point out that who taught uh, this servant how to interact with God? It'd be Abraham. Abraham. So Abraham has created a culture in his house um, where even the people who work for him, um, even the people that work for him, know who God is. They know God's ability. They know what God can do. 
They know how faithful God's been to Abraham. And I just, I just pause and think, I go, man, are we creating cultures in our house where we're telling what God can do, when we're telling each other the stories of what God has done? And so that when people come up against these scenarios, which this was a big deal for this guy, this servant, I would have to think. He wasn't convinced he was going to be able to work. But he was able to draw back on the stories that they had told in the house and remember, like, okay, you've been faithful to my master. So we recognize that any success in this mission would come from the Lord. But look at the next part of the thing. And it says, and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. And it is very true uh, um, to the last thing we said. Show steadfast love. The servant is aware because Abraham had taught him the culture of his house that God has steadfast love. Okay, I know we're thinking like, what, how does this apply to me? Just hold, I promise we're getting there. So we see that he understood that God, part of God's character, part of God's personality, who God was, was that he was a God that showed steadfast love. And more than that, he showed steadfast love to his servant Abraham. I think it's very important because he started off his prayer with, Lord, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen from you. And I recognize that your character is one who shows steadfast love. And so he's asking God to be true to his character as he prays. As he's praying, he's asking God, he says, he says, God, you are a God who shows steadfast love to his people. I'm just asking you to do that. I know part of your character is already to show steadfast love, to show enduring love. Part of what you're doing, you're always going to show love. And so, God, will you do this in this moment? Uh, let's look at more of the details of his request. Um, he says, I'm standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Verse 14. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And you shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one wh- whom you've appointed for your servant Isaac. All right. So it's, this is very much, God, uh, please do this. You know, fill in the blanks. These are really the prayers that like all of humanity is the most familiar with. Like this part. God, will you do this? God, uh, will you do this? And if we look at the details of what he asked her to do, um, it's very interesting. He's looking for a woman who's coming out to get water on her own, like she's carrying a jar in her head. Y'all there? All right. And so she's coming out to get water, and she's tired. It's the evening, and he's going to come up to her and say, like, hey, can I have some water? And she's going to say, yes, then how about I water your camels? Now, at the beginning of this passage, it said he had 10 camels. Now, I'm not saying these camels were this thirsty, but if camels needed a lot of water, like if they were some really thirsty camels, they could drink up to 300 gallons of water. So when he's saying like, hey, I pr- God, help someone to like water my, give water to my camels. He's asking God for like a very clear sign. Like, not only can she give me a drink, which we're like, yeah, that's no big deal. Like, you need a drink? Sure, here's a drink. But can you just work your tail off for a while? And do 300 gallons of water. Now, am I saying that it was that the camels were probably that thirsty and they needed 300? I mean, that's probably not what happened. It, it was, but it still was probably a fair amount of work. Okay? Um, so he was asking for a woman of generosity. And he was asking for a woman of kindness. Remember, he's finding a woman for his master, um, his boss, his boss's son. Um, how, does it, how does he end his prayer? Look at the last part of verse 14. 
He says, by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to your master. Now, this can mean a couple things. Uh, perhaps this can mean that the servant needed some help to believe that God answered some prayers. Perhaps this was like a, uh, let's see if this really happens. Let's see if God's the real deal. Uh, perhaps this meant that the servant uh, just needed a large, uh, obvious confirmation for such a large decision. I mean, think about the task that he's given. Go find the wife of my son. And, he's, and his way of doing it was he's asking God, whoever waters my camels, help me to know. And this is a big deal. And so he's asking for such a large, obvious sign. Perhaps that's the reason. But either way, I think it's very crucial that we notice again that he says, um, you have shown steadfast love to my master. He's recounting the character of God as he prays. We have to recount the character of God as we pray. Um, the servant knew that God promised to show steadfast love to Abraham. We just talked about that. And, and he was asking God to do what he already said he would do. All right, when y'all pray, and we're going to get into a little bit more of, of this in a second. But when y'all pray, I want you guys to know there's nothing wrong at all with asking the Lord to do what he's already said he would do. Okay? And we're going to get into some examples of that. Um, but a great example is God's provision. All right? If we're praying and we're saying, God, you are God who promises to provide. I am currently broke. Lord, please provide. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. Now, the answer might be, may not be like, oh, yeah, go outside. There's a $3,000 check in your mailbox. You're right. It could be like, hey, how about you go get a job? <laughs> like, if, but if there's nothing wrong in that moment of saying, like, God, your character is that you will provide. And I'm just asking you to hold up your end of the bargain. Hold up your end of the deal. Um, the Bible would use the word covenant. Hold up your end of the covenant. There's nothing wrong with saying, like, I mean, you have said that you are this. I'm, stay true to that. Stay true to who you are. Um, so essentially, going back to the servant, um, the servant, if you were to use three words to kind of like describe how he prayed, he prayed with a hope that his prayer won't be answered, but a confidence, and he prays with, prayed with wisdom. Uh, he just, he asked for clarity as he's praying. Um, I just want to, let's just finish the story out here. I'm going to read it for you guys. Verses 15 through 21. I'll read this part, and I'll kind of like summarize the rest part of the story. Um, all right, this is a little bit of a paragraph, so hold on. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden who no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and give him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. I mean, I love, I love this. At the beginning, it says, before he had even finished speaking. It's like, as he's praying, God's fulfilling his prayer. That's pretty cool, right? Like, he's praying, and like, as he's finishing, God's like, yes, there's Rebecca. And so he runs out to meet her. 
He's like, give me some water, <laughs> please. <laughs> and she says, of course, I'd love to give you some water. And let me also get some water for your camels. But at the end, I love the, that last verse. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. For me, that's, it's not like she was amazed. I don't feel like he was being amazed by Rebecca, the person of Rebecca. I feel like he was being amazed because God had answered his prayer. Um, have you guys ever prayed for something and God answered your prayer and with a yes or with a no? Or but you were just taken back that the God of the universe would hear your prayer and answer it? I, I've, done, I've had that story uh, where the Lord has asked me, like, hey, you need to pray specifically about this. And I was like, well, God, that would never happen. That's like ration, rationale does not allow that. And he would say, I need you to pray about this. And, I would, and, I, and he said, I need you to believe that I can do it as well. And I was like, well, Lord, rationally, I just want you to know, that's not going to occur. And, and I was like, but sh- let me go ahead and pray. That sounds great. And he said, you need to believe that I can do this. And, and so sure enough, I prayed, and the Lord answered the prayer, and I was very dumbfounded <laughs> in that moment. I just think it's very similar to this servant. He's gazing at her in silence, just going, wow. God in all of his goodness is going to answer this prayer. Uh, let me just kind of give you a recap of how the rest of the story goes. Uh, Rebecca decides to leave her family that's there and goes and marries Isaac. Uh, for all you lovebirds who want to know the whole story, go read the entire chapter 24, okay? It's better than the notebook. Uh, God, so God provided Isaac, a wife from his kindred, and, and in that way, Abraham and his family was allowed to move forward with the promise of God. It's very casual, and the basic premise is that God provided. But I think God's, uh, Abraham's servant is incredible. Uh, there are four things that I think in his prayer uh, that, we can, that we can model in our lives. The first thing is we have to acknowledge God. He starts off with, God, my master Abraham, grant me success. We have to acknowledge God in our prayers. The second thing was that we have to remember his promises. As we're remembering, he says, like, God, you've been faithful to my, to my master, Abraham. Lord, you've been faithful, you've been faithful, you've been faithful. Guys, there is, it is, it is a beautiful thing to pray God's character back to him. Um, what I found very interesting is that he was being very specific when he prayed. He said, God, please do this, please do this, and please do this. Now, I'm not saying you have to always be specific. Not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, like, if you don't pray exactly like, God, when I get outside, please help my car to start. Like, I'm not saying you have to be, have these incredibly specific prayer requests. What I'm saying is that he, in this moment, was very specific, and the Lord blessed him. So I think there are moments in our life where we are vague in our prayers, and there are moments in our life where we are very specific in our prayers. And I would say, if you can be specific, be specific. And why do we ask the Lord specific things. When we ask the Lord specific things, we're allowed to see in our mind how he's moving. Okay? A great example of this is your, if you guys have a roommate you got, you're trying to share your faith with. Right? Um, we're going to name her Terry. All right? So, uh, there's a roommate, Terry. You're trying to share her faith with her. And you said, God, you start off being very vague, like, God, I just pray for people on campus to know, the, to know you. Amen. Is that a beautiful prayer? Yes. Like, man, you did a great job. Thank you for praying for that. That's kind of what we're about. I love that you're praying that. Um, okay, let's take it a step further. Like, God, I uh, ask for 
You know, just all the people I come in contact with, they'll know the Lord. And then you go like, God, I pray for Terry that she would know the Lord. And then you go, God, I pray for Terry. And I know from our conversation that she has a hard time believing um, in someone because of the pain she's having in her past. Lord, would you allow her heart to be healed from that pain? And would you give her a boldness to have faith? Okay, what are you asking God? You're asking God specifically to do this. And so one day when you're having a conversation with Terry, and you go, in your mind it clicks. She goes, wow, she's, she's embracing the opportunity of trusting a God. Or she's embracing the opportunity of, we're not even at God yet, but like she's embracing the idea of like letting go of pain in her life and allowing herself to heal. Wow. You know what we see? We see God moving. And when you see God move, if you're like me, you get pumped. And you're like, oh, yeah, I want to be a part of all of that. So if God's moving over here, come on, let's go. If God's doing something over here, come on, let's do this. And if, when, when you see God moving, you just want to join in with what he's doing. It's like this adrenaline high that you get. Not that we need to be seeking adrenaline highs, but that you just get excited, right? I get excited when I see the almighty God working. So we have to, I would say be specific. And the la- uh, last thing, before we get into different steps we can take, it's just that I think uh, if we're looking back on Abraham's servant, um, know that the Lord wanted to answer this prayer. The Lord wanted to bless Abraham, right? He said, I will bless you. <laughs> he said, I will make your, your descendants of many nations. He wanted to answer, he wanted to fulfill his promise. And so when we pray and we're asking God to fulfill his promises, we're simply just holding him, him up to him, his side of the covenant. And God wants to say yes to those prayers. And so let's look at different ways that we can pray uh, God's promises of his character into our life. And I feel like that's what this servant did. He said, God, your, your steadfast love, you've always been faithful to my servants. Be true to that, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, so I kind of just came up with different steps. Not that these steps are like the word of God steps, but these are just different steps that I've, I've seen um, be good guide rails for help, to help us as we pray. Um, I found it very interesting. I googled uh, praying the promises of God. There's a lot of random things out there, guys. Um, and, and just as a side note, but like, be careful. Be careful. Um, when, we, when you hear phrases like praying the promises of God, sometimes you hear like, man, there's, uh, God, there's money for you. You just haven't prayed for it. That's why you haven't got it. Or you're saying, like, there's this for you. You just haven't prayed for it, and so you haven't got it. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God's eternal character, and we're asking God to be true to his character. Um, so I think the first step we have to do if we're going to incorporate this type of prayer into our life is that when we pray, we have to acknowledge who God is. And I would say, when you pray, are you acknowledging who the Lord is? How are we starting off our prayers? You guys it's like muscle memory when you pray. Like, you, like, like when you go for a run or like put on your shoes, put on your shoes. You don't like have to think, man, I wonder how I put these on. You like just grab them when you put them on, right? It's muscle memory. And I think we've gotten to the habit of when we pray, it's just muscle memory. And if I were to say all of you guys should start a prayer, more than likely your first 10 words would be the same first 10 words every time you pray. Because muscle memory. And I would say our muscle memory needs to always be acknowledging who God is. Acknowledging who the character of God is. What is God's personality? Are we starting off our prayer acknowledging who God is? 
if we acknowledge God first, it allows us to have proper perspective of who we are. And so when we're asking things of God, we're acknowledging who God is, allowing him to remind us of how great he is and the power that he has. And so he begins to create this thing within our heart and he begins to create these desires within our heart that would glorify him, that would, that would make much of him. And so when we get to the actual part of our request, we're already at a place where we're just wanting God to be glorified so much. And so when we're asking these requests, it's out of like, God, be glorified in this situation. I want your glory in this situation completely. Step two, we have to know what does God promise? And because if we're trying to, if we're trying to say, God, um, I'll go back to the one about God providing. God, you, you said you're a provider. Please provide in this situation. Possibly do it like this, Father. At that moment, we, are, we know who God is, and we're reminded of his abilities. See, if we're not aware of God's abilities, we need to be aware of his abilities. We need to be aware of what God can do. If you guys are not aware of his time, of who he is, man, I feel like this is where your, your, your time in the Word, your time in reading the Word is tremendously helpful. Um, notice what I didn't say is, is not incredibly great for your intelligence. I said, this is going to change the way you pray and will change the way you live life. If we're acknowledging who God is, acknowledging what power and what, um, what he, his abilities are, it's going to change the way we live life. And so if we're in the Word, or we read God to read the Word to learn who God is. That's the first step, remember? And so if we're in the Word to learn who He is, I want to learn who God is. I'm not looking to be a good Christian. I'm not looking to check the box. I'm not looking to have a little quiet time. I'm looking to learn who God is. If that's why we're reading the Word, our prayers will change because we're seeking to understand what can God do in this moment? How would God respond in this moment? What power does God have? I mean, there are examples of this. And so I was wanting to, do, I want to give you like a little practical example. Uh, you don't necessarily have to go there, but James 1.5, right? We're going to put it up on the screen here. Uh, but James 1.5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who generously gives to all without reproach and will be given to him. Okay, what does this say? It says God promises, this is just an example, if you lack wisdom, you should ask him. And what will he do? He'll give it to you. And so a prayer for wisdom can be like, God, there's a situation coming up. I know that your character is that you will give wisdom to anyone who asks. And God, I ask that you give me wisdom. How can I glorify you in this moment? Give me wisdom. And the Lord, and he will, he'll answer that prayer. The Lord wants to answer these prayers. I mean, another one is, uh, go, go to the Psalm 23 slide if you can. Um, so, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I would fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Or you read Psalm uh, 139, and we say, okay, the Lord promises that he's with us. Our God, if you are with me, well, I don't even have to like, necessarily ask that, you're with, that you'd be with me. Okay, God, you're with me, so you promise to be with me. So as I go throughout this circumstance that I have to go face, and I'm a little scared, Lord, I know you're with me. Like, there are, there are things that God promises. Um, some people think there are roughly like 3,000 promises in the Bible that we can hold true to. Know the promises of God. Because if God is promising, like, let's go back to the verse in James. Like, if God's promising that if you ask wisdom, he'll give wisdom, then when you pray, ask for wisdom. He'll give wisdom. 
Um, there's so many. Like, you need provision. You need uh, forgiveness. Uh, the, Lord, the, the Lord promises that, that he hears our prayers. Do you know the promises of God? Are you praying back to you? Like, God, I know that your word says in uh, Psalm 34 that you hear our prayers. And so, God, I thank you that you hear my prayer. Now, God, please, in this moment, intervene. Give me wisdom. You're just praying the promises of God. God wants to say yes to those promises. And so when you pray this week, think about that. And uh, it's also helpful, it's the last step, to remind yourself that just because you've prayed for it, that's not how it's going to come true. Now, we've all heard this, we've all heard this, we've all heard this. All right. Like, in this instance, Abraham's servant was very specific. Okay, God, please do this, please do this, have her water the camels, and God, do, please do this. What God necessarily didn't say, well, well, because you've asked for it, I'm going to give it to you. He said, I'm going to be true to my character. And so it's not like we have God, and he's like the genie in Aladdin, where we can just ask, okay, uh, do this, please do this, and please do this, please do this, it, which we're all aware of. We're all aware of. But it's... God is actually just being true to his character. So his character was that he would provide for Abraham. His character was that he showed steadfast love to his, Abraham's family. And so God was just being true to his character. So when we ask God for things, we have to understand that if he says no, or if he, if he says yes, either way, what he's going to do is be true to his character, always. And how beautiful is that? That means that we're not, like, shifting his stance on things. He's staying true to his character. So I, I would just push you guys a little bit. How are you guys praying? How are you spending your time in prayer? Are we acknowledging who God is in our prayers? And, or are we just starting off our day with, God, thank you for this food, amen? Or are we saying, like, God, and I'm not saying you have to have these elaborate prayers. I'm not saying look for an elaborate prayer. His prayer wasn't even that long. It just had faith and and God, and I knew who God was. How are we praying? And and this is the really where I want to push. How are we praying for our campus? And uh, I would ask you guys, man, I think God is looking to answer prayer on campus. Does God want to save the lost? Yes. And let's pray for God to save the lost. Does God want to save the lost in our classrooms? Does God want to save our, our roommate who doesn't know the Lord? Yes. The word says that his desire is that none would perish, but that all would come to him. And so we see that God wants to save the lost. So, so Lord, let's, let's ask for it. God is looking to answer those questions. And uh, do we, are we praying specifically? Like, God, can you create disciples on campus, people that can come with me to, so, we can, so that we can reach the lost? Like, who are you praying for that doesn't know the Lord this week? Are you praying for anyone? Guys, I would just say, like, man, we've got to pray. And we've got to remember who God is. And so maybe you're sitting here like, man, I, um, John, I hear you. I, and you're like, you said, read the Bible to know the promises of God. And I know about f- five, maybe. Maybe two. You went over two, so let's go with two. <laughs> two promises. Man, download the first 15 app. Let's start there. The first 15 app, if you guys aren't aware, is, is an app that we use as a ministry and it helps us every day. There's a 15-minute time of prayer, uh, of time of reading God's Word, and pointing you back. And it's helping you pray, helping you pray, helping you remember what's there. And you're like, I don't really know how to do that. I'm, I'm doing the first 15 
how do I do that when I'm reading? Like when you're reading the word of God and you come across a promise, like you're in the Psalms, you're reading Psalm 34 and it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. You stop and you pray. You go, God, your word says that you answer me when I seek you. Thank you for that. Boom, put that on the list. I learned another promise of God. You guys see how that works? It's real simple. Okay, so like I said, not a super heavy one this week, just pushing you guys. Let's pray who God's character in our life. Let's pray.